Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You will eventually receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we know that the Holy Spirit not only comes on us, but at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in us. Do you know this morning, we forget this often, you have actually God living inside if you're a Christian this morning. You have God in you. And he says this, and you will then be my, say the word with me, everybody at campus says, you'll be my witnesses. Look at that verse again. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness. That is the main purpose of being filled with the Spirit. What comes next after you place your faith in Christ and accept Him as your Lord and Savior? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of the valuable resource for all Christ followers known as the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus left this earth, He told His disciples that one was coming that was even greater than Him. The Holy Spirit is given to guide and instruct. How powerful that every Christ follower is filled with God Himself. This is so each one of us might be used as an example of God's love to a world in need. Are you being led by the Holy Spirit today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Luke as he begins part one of his message, Every Christ Follower is to be on Mission. It isn't about money. It isn't about what you have that brings purpose. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can really bring purpose. See, that's why you were created. And inside you, there's something that is empty and this God lives in you. Now, many Christians don't believe that. Pastor Meyer, that's not true. I have all these friends. They're not interested in God at all. Well, often they don't know what to say to you because they don't know what the answer is. And they don't want to appear like everything they have is that fantastic. So they don't share until a tragedy comes, until something comes like that. Charles Stanley said, you can go down your neighborhood and you see this house. And in this house, there's kids and, and three new cars and everything's great. The lawn's perfect, whatever. And you just walk by it all the time. And you go, wow, man, they must really have it going. Until one time, the neighbor came and said, could you come to our house? And so you go into the house, and when you walk into the house, it's a smell of death. There's divorce pending. There's anger. There's bitterness. And from the outside, what's it look like? Wow, wish I lived in that. When you walk in the door, oh, oh, they need God. You see, we don't have that. Like Jesus said, look around you. Do you think every rich person with power and all of that has it all together and they're not searching? No, they are searching. They just don't know what they're searching for. You know, there's a guy in the Bible named Solomon. He was rich. He was the wisest man in all the world. And, and he wrote numbers of books. 
And one of those books of Ecclesiastes says this. He, tried, he, he went down every road he could. He could do anything. He built houses. He, he was a businessman. He planted gardens. He got an education. He had a thousand wives and concubines. That already tell you he's out of his mind. And as you think, can you think of a thousand mother-in-laws? Lord, help us. And, <laughs> and, and so here, watch this. Here's what happened. He, he said this. After every one of those roads... He said, I came to it. It's a dead end. And he had to go back searching again. I want to tell you, don't think wrongly. Our world is searching for purpose and meaning. And we have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. See, that's why Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you, what do you mean? What are you waiting for? They're right. They're ready. They're ready right now. Now, Here's the, here's the second wrong thinking. So the first wrong thinking is this, that unbelievers aren't searching. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, unbelievers are searching for purpose. Turn them. Just the unbelievers are searching for purpose. By the way, there'll be some of you here at our campuses, every campus this morning, you're here and you're searching. I'm going to give you the answer as we go through because you can solve that problem today. Now, here's the second wrong thinking. And I changed this verse in case some of you, of course, many of you are new to Christianity. You, you'll think the verse looks good, but this is the wrong thinking. Look at this, Luke 10, 2. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the pastors and the elders are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send pastors and elders into his hard harvest field. This is wrong thinking. This is what many Christians think. Even people that have been Christians for a long time, they think that only certain believers are to be on mission. Pastors, elders, and church leaders. But that's totally wrong. Do you actually believe a few of us as pastors in our whole world could actually turn by ourselves the world upside, right side up? No way. It was never designed. That's wrong. Now, let me, I, I, I put the verse and I kind of changed it a little bit. And I just added something. Because this is correct thinking. He told them, Jesus speaking, the harvest is plentiful. Same words again. But the workers, not the pastors, not the elders, not the leaders, but the workers. Who is he speaking about? All Christ followers. Can I remind you? All ordinary Christ followers. Who are we? We're all ordinary Christ followers. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know why they're few? They don't know they're called to open their mouth and share the gospel. Many of you here have never, it's, it's known, 90, listen, 95% of Christians have never won one person to Jesus Christ. Not one. That's all we're asking you to do this year. One. See, if that would have happened in the early church, you'd have never read this. They, they who have turned the world upside down have come here. No, they wouldn't have turned anything upside down. And that's our problem. So therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest, God, to send out workers, who is that? You, into the harvest field. So right thinking is this. Outside of these walls, even a few of you here, people are searching for purpose and meaning. Second, right thinking. You, every single Christ follower, is called to be on mission, to seek and save those which are lost. Every single one of you. No exceptions at all. Does that include pastors? Of course, I'm you. I'm a human, just like you. I'm an ordinary Christian, 
just with a different gifting. But it isn't special people that, with that gifting. It's all of us. Now, so get your thinking right. Those two, if you leave here this morning, realizing that outside these walls, many people are searching, even though you don't look, it doesn't look like it. Number two, that you are called to seek and save that which is lost. If you get that, we're going to churn our world upside down right here in Brevard County, all the way from Sebastian right up here to Vieira. Now, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. Let me prove to you how that works, what that looks like in Scripture. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. All of our campuses, you guys, watching online, verse 1. Now, Jesus sent his disciples out many different times, two and two and whatever, all kinds of things. But this is different. Look at After this, the Lord appointed 72, circle the word, others, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Notice something. These 72 are not the disciples or the apostles. They're just 72 unknown. There's no names. They're unknown, everyday, ordinary Christ followers. That's Jesus' goal. Using everyday, ordinary Christ followers. That's who they are. They have nothing to do with the disciples or the apostles at all. Then Jesus would say this in John 20, 21. Look at it. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, watch this, I am sending you. Who is the you he's talking about? Every Christ follower. How many here are an ordinary Christ follower this morning? Just raise your hand. You're the you. Vera, Sebastian, you're the you. He is not just speaking to you. He's sending you. Pastor Mark, sending me to do what? Seek and save that which is lost. So again, we're, we're move away from this hierarchy that these special guys and pastors are to do that. No, we're all equal and all of us, ordinary, everyday Christ followers are to do that. So here's what I want you to write this morning. Here is Jesus' solution. It has never changed. That's how the, the early church just expanded and boomed. Here it is. Every ordinary Christ follower has been chosen to seek and save the lost, and stay on mission. Every single one of you. That's what we do. That's what we're doing this year. Now, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 6. And let me give you a quick understanding of Acts, chapter 6. When the early church got started, pretty soon it went to 3,000 men and lots of kids and wives and children. Then it went to 5,000. And when we get to chapter 6, there's a little uh, kind of a fuss in the church, and people are not getting served right. And there is no buildings, of course, in those days. And all of a sudden, the apostles come in and see this like clash between uh, the two groups. And they say to themselves, okay, we've we, we got to keep studying. We've got to keep praying. So let's pick seven guys. Let the Holy Spirit guide us. Seven men that are filled with the Holy Spirit, wisdom, direction. And they can serve tables. They can serve tables. They can take care of the people. They're just going to be volunteers, like all the volunteers we have at our campuses. Just let, let's pick them. And uh, we'll go back to studying and doing the things we can do so we can mature the church. Now, notice what happens in verse 7. So the word of God spread. As they put the solution in. People were satisfied, and the church just kept booming, booming, booming. How did they boom, boom, boom? The value 
the impact of one. People were sharing their faith. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now we're going to talk about two guys this morning. Two of these volunteer deacons, servants, table setters. Not pastors, nothing. Just ordinary Christians. Now Stephen... A man full of God's grace and power did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. So here's one of those seven that was chosen just to set tables. We could say this morning to to clean the tables out here in the commons or whatever, wherever you're at. Just kind of do normal everyday things. Now, as the growth was moving through Jerusalem, the Jewish people, the leaders, were livid. They didn't believe in Jesus. They're trying to get rid of Jesus. We crucified him. What happened? How come it's still going on? Well, because he had commanded people to take the good word around. Now, they got so mad that they picked on Stephen and they actually falsely accused him of blaspheming God. Well, when they did that, chapter 7 of Acts, if you ever get a chance to read it, you'll love it. It's like like the longest sermon in the Bible. He just goes back to the Old Testament, gives him a survey because the Jews knew the Old Testament. And he talks about Abraham and Moses and whatever. And then he finally goes through and he just says this. uh, You know, your Old Testament, and I'm sure he used verses. uh, Jesus, the Messiah, was predicted. He he would do this, this. He'd be on a cross. He'd have no broken bone. But you guys missed it. And they were so livid at that point, they basically said to themselves, watch this. Now look at verse 55. This is what happens when Stephen's bold. Ordinary Christ follower. Verse 55, chapter 7. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God. How do you think they felt about that? At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. We'll silence this guy. He's a blasphemer. What do you mean you look up and there's Jesus? We crucified him. No, he was at the right hand of the Father. How many glad he's there today? Why? He's interceding for you and me. We need help. Now, look at this. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their witnesses to the stoning, laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was a brilliant Jewish religious leader. He didn't believe in Jesus. He was persecuting Christians everywhere. He was killing Christians. So he's there, and notice the next sentence. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, sounds just like Jesus on the cross, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul hated the name Jesus. He didn't believe in him. So this is a perfect example. And I want you you're going to see this all through the sermon, so pay attention. We have one Christ follower, ordinary, not a pastor, Just an ordinary guy. And he is one. The value and impact of one. His name is Stephen. 
Now, what do you see from that? Even though he became the first martyr in the early church, his humility, his powerful words, his prayer of forgiveness had a great impact on lots of people. They're they're, they're standing and going like, how can this guy say forgive those people who are stoning him while he's being stoned? Only God helped him to do that. So they were impacted by that. We don't know what happened to them as far as Christianity. But the greatest person that was impacted was Saul. And you'll see in a moment that Saul becomes a believer and his name is Paul. And it started with one man, his impact, Stephen, on that world. Now, St. Augustine said, the church owes Paul to the prayer of Stephen. Forgive them. Someone else has said, Paul filled the empty sandals of Stephen. Now, as we go through time, Stephen, of course, dies right there. Does Stephen have any idea if he had any impact on anybody? Hello? No, everybody's watching him get stoned to death. He goes, well, I, I did my best. I'm done. Guess nothing worked, but at least I, I spoke for Jesus. I want you to write this this morning. This is important to us. Don't worry about your impact. Just be an ordinary Christ follower on mission. You'll never know your impact. It's not about you anyway. It's not about me. It's about God. This isn't Stephen's impact. This is Stephen's impact because of the Holy Spirit. He was a filled Holy Spirit. And that was the impact that went to the people. And you're going to see something. Just hold on. Stephen. And when we get to the end of the teaching today, you'll see that Stephen has a great impact on every single one of you that's listening to me this morning. See, I never even met Stephen. But you'll see the amazing impact that he's had on your life. Now, as we go from there, you're going to see this guy, Saul, who becomes Paul, enter in next. Notice, first of all, this is that one, and here's Paul now. Stephen has had an impact on Saul. We'll see how that works. Saul basically is head up to Damascus after this, and he's going to kill Christians on the way. And then he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. The same one that when Stephen said, well, I see Jesus. Paul sees Jesus and he's converted. He becomes a Christian. Now, when you see an ordinary man named Paul, what kind of impact did Paul have? Well, one ordinary Christian, Stephen, Paul became one of the greatest witnesses, church planner, missionary, and writer in the New Testament. Here we are 2,000 years later. Any of you ever read the book of Romans, Ephesians, Colossians? 13 books that you're holding in the New Testament were written by who? Paul. Where did the impact come from? Stephen. Did Stephen know that would ever happen? Of course not. He knows in heaven now. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to get across to you? What was Stephen? Ordinary, just like you, just like me. Stood for Christ, and his impact went all the way to your Bible. The Apostle Paul writing 13 books of the New Testament. Why? Because Stephen Listen, was on mission. 
So we never know how in the world that's going. That's so powerful. That's the way God changes the world. Now look back at verse one again in Acts eight. Not only did that happen, but there was another massive impact. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So Stephen's death, Christians and the Jewish people, they just had a terrific persecution of the Christians. Now, hold your finger there at 8.1 and go right back to Acts chapter 1 quickly. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and verse 8. One day, Jesus, before he was going back to heaven, said to his apostles, the 12, you have to go to Jerusalem, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you can go and witness. Let me just remind you about something. You and I, you say, well, Pastor Mark, I know the four spiritual laws. I know the bridge illustration. I can quote the verses in the Roman road. Uh, Roman road. I got it together. I just go out and do my thing. No, without the Holy Spirit, you're doing nothing. You have to be led by the Spirit. You have to have an open door by the Spirit. You have to let the Spirit. Because the, we don't convict people. The Holy Spirit convicts people. And so Jesus said, you got to be filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 4. On one occasion, while I was eating them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard him speak about. What's he talking about? Being filled with the Spirit of God. Now look in verse 8. But you, while you're waiting, you will eventually receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we know that the Holy Spirit not only comes on us, but at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in us. Do you know this morning, we forget this often, you have actually God living inside if you're a Christian this morning. You have God in you. And he says this, and you will then be my, say the word with me, everybody at campus says, you'll be my witnesses. Look at that verse again. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness. That is the main purpose of being filled with the Spirit. All the spiritual gifts, all the other things are wonderful. Speaking in tongues and all those things, we practice them. I do that privately. I love that. Gifts of healing, gifts of power. Just amazing. They're all there. But the main purpose of the Holy Spirit is what? To be witnesses. Because the most important thing in the world is not a physical healing. It's a spiritual healing so that person can live in eternity in heaven forever. Understand that. We're not downing the others. They're needed. But eventually, the last healing won't last. And you'll die because everybody dies. So the most important thing is getting the gospel to lost people who are searching, as we said this morning, for purpose. Now, so what does that mean? He says, as soon as you're empowered, God commands us and he empowers us to be his witnesses. As soon as you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be on mission. So you're to begin in Jerusalem and then move to Judea and Samaria and finally preach the gospel to the whole world. That was his commandment. Start at home, and then it'll spread. God will send you to different places, and that's exactly it. So who write this down this morning. Ordinary Christ followers now are empowered by God to do extraordinary things. Things that you and I could not do without being under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit. That's when ordinary becomes extraordinary. Now, it's not us that are extraordinary. It's God working in us. Every ordinary Christ follower has been chosen to seek and save the lost. Today, we were challenged by Pastor Mark to stay on mission to what God has called us to do. The problem today is that many Christ followers have wrong thinking. The ministry of discipleship and evangelism does not solely fall on the shoulders of church leadership. 
Jesus wants every believer to value and impact others in this world. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. How are we as Christ followers to be on mission? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that God will do whatever it takes to fulfill His plans. He will often use the seemingly less equipped to do extraordinary things to showcase His power. Throughout history, the Lord has used any and every heart that's faithful and devoted to Him. You were born to represent Jesus Christ in your life. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurting world a new hope he is given